When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another video from Fantasy Football Scout. It's another of these FPL drafts uh, from some of the top managers um, from Scout and the community. Today, I'm joined by Mr. Pranil Sheth himself. It's Late Riser. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, I think it's, what, three weeks for the season to start. That said, I feel like nobody in the community is really settled on something that's even remotely close to a final draft. And uh, I feel like there's still so much information out there to process. I mean, we haven't had a single, we've had one Chelsea preseason game. We haven't had a single preseason game from Manchester City and they have really good fixtures at the start of the season. So I feel like it's just a matter of absorbing information for the next two weeks before having a real serious tinker, I reckon. Yeah, so this is your first draft, you were telling me before we, we came on. So you have, you've resisted the urge to kind of tinker a little bit up to this point, have you? Yeah, it's generally the case with me. I don't tinker too much because I feel like you tend to overcomplicate things. You tend to, if you're tinkering too much, I think you'll end up having everybody who's a legit option in your draft and then you're going to feel so bad game week one because you've had everybody you've considered That's who's remotely true. a good FPL pick in your team and I just don't think that leads to enjoyment of the game. So maybe a couple of drafts and making a decision and that's about it. Yep. And good season. Last season for you, um, back into the Elite 64, Generals League, for example. Yes. Looking to kick yes. on again this year, I'm guessing. Yes, 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 yes. I just The problem is that uh, the moment you have a good season, you tend to get a little laid back and you're not reading and researching as much as you probably should. So I'm just hoping that's not the case this season. Still haven't quite gotten into the group, uh, no. but I'm hoping the next three weeks change that. Yeah, I think I think I'm kind of the same. I mean, there's there's such a strong template, isn't there, at the moment? If you look on the scout boards and on Twitter, and a lot of teams look the same. When when you see that, I, I don't know. It kind of bores me a little bit, and I end up trying to make teams with with a few players a little bit different. You know, I had one with Sterling, Sancho's in my current draft. Trying to find that kind of differential pick. I mean, what's your take on it this season? Because you know, the, the template's strong for a reason. There's some really solid picks. You know, five at the back's really popular, for example. Um, a little spoiler for your team, though. You've gone a little bit different in, in a few different ways, which I don't think anyone's going to be too surprised uh, to hear from you. But do you see that as a kind of challenge to try and find those different players that maybe other people aren't considering? Not game week one. Uh, you know, the season before uh, this one uh, had an absolutely terrible season. Like, probably my worst season. Mm. And what happened was I tried to get too clever early on. And it was essentially betting against Salah game week one. And uh, everything uh, he absolutely scored a hat-trick on day one, everybody captained him. Yeah. And on day one, I was 30, 35 points behind everybody else. And what happens is you try to do things that are different and it's a never-ending tilt. Uh, you know, so I, then I was speaking to FPL Salah Abdul and he told me, you know, it's all right to stick with the template early on. And uh, 
the name late riser is late riser because i generally tend to have good second half of the seasons uh so i was like you know what this makes sense i don't need to take too many gambles early on that said the thinking has changed a little because of the unlimited transfers that we have gaming mm. 16 onwards i feel like that's a very big factor that not many people are acknowledging at the moment if uh, i was if, if you were playing a single similar season compared to every year where we just had two wild cards and we're setting up our team with our first wild card for about 20 25 game weeks uh i understand the point of you know going back at the back and playing as template and safe as possible but uh i'm trying to cram a third premium in because uh, you know uh, i'm the you know spoiler i'm going with three premiums at, as things stand because first fixtures in the first four game weeks read southampton chelsea wolves and forest i feel like there's an opportunity there and uh if you want to go that way you require a few sacrifices and a few enablers to crop up that have decent fixtures in the first four or five game weeks if that does happen by the time we arrive to game week one i'm inclined to go in that direction because i feel like you can think short term because i think everybody is going to be wild carding somewhere between game week four and game week eight and uh, i think you can afford to look at a short term draft which is even unbalanced for four or five game weeks this season particularly because everybody's got a clean slate game week 16 no matter what yeah Don't worry about spoiling anything. That's it's going to be clickbait that you've gone into the three, uh, the three premiums. Yeah. So everyone, everyone will kind of really know. Yeah, I mean, was that your strategy last season then? Because you um, obviously had a good season last year. Did you? Did you? I'm guessing you stuck the template again last year. Was was really really strong and it did really well, right? In those first yeah. few weeks, were you someone who kind of stuck with that then and kind of rode that that early wave? Yeah, I rode that early wave. I mean, the. places in which i went against the template was maybe a couple of picks which i was sure of based on you know looking at preseason or something like that which are probably your 8th 9th 10th or 11th player on the pitch but not with the really good picks because the template is a well educated template like uh, it's the template for a reason and it's not based off whims or fancies it's a very well researched template so you know if you're going against it you need to have really really strong reasons to go against it so i have no qualms sticking with the template picks early on that said i mean i do have a couple of people who are a part of the template as things stand not in my team at the moment so i'm okay to always make a couple of bets against the template but maybe not go the whole hog especially with your premium picks so not no salah this this year not no, no chance <laughs> uh, cool let's take a look at your team just before we do that uh, if you are enjoying this video and the pre-season content on scout uh, give us a subscribe give us a like um as well you can follow late rise on the fpl wire brilliant podcast award winning podcast um as well and stream um, on youtube to so check out that channel um as well uh, and you can hear from those guys absolutely brilliant fpl managers uh, amazing knowledge uh too um right let's have a look at your team uh then so you've got melier in goal uh, four at the back with trent cancelo justin and luka dean justin and dean not seen those in too many sides uh sala captain son uh, rashford and bailey Uh, and then Haaland up top with Mitrovic got a few things i mean for us to discuss with this i mean the the first thing i guess is is the kind of the threemium um structure i mean is there any plans to because the Salah Haaland captaincy seems to work so well right and i think that's what's putting a few people off going for that third one is when would you captain son between you know those those two guys what do you make of that or or do you just see his son just being such a good option that you just want him and it doesn't really matter even if you're not going to captain him The only reason I'm trying to, you know, cram Son into my team is because I see my team lasting for four or five weeks 
this season. And I'm very happy to jump early on the wild card. So what I'm really looking at is I haven't looked beyond game week five when I'm looking at the fixtures because I'm like, I'm building my team for a really short-term period. And uh, what happens with Son uh, or having three teams, let's say Haaland turns out to be a dad who's played 60 minutes twice and Pep has uh, decided to bin him because he's not working in the system and he's taking time to integrate his new signing, is that any player that you want that emerges is a couple of moves away. So whether I, I'm assuming Salah is going to stick in a draft because he's Mr. FPL and he's as reliable as it comes. But then what happens, give me two, three, four, is that let's say somebody emerges in the eight-minute bracket. Let's say Bruno Fernandes or Raheem Sterling emerges, emerges picks. You can always go down from one of the two premiums and I can decide which of the two are looking less enticing. And then I can get another premium and I can go up in any price bracket as well. So, you know... It's a three-man draft game week one. It's not necessarily going to be a three-man draft game week four or five. It just offers flexibility in terms of going wherever I want to early in the season. That's the thinking. Yep. And I mean, those first four games for Spurs, I mean, they've got Chelsea in game week two, but Southampton, Wolves, uh, Forest, you know, those those three yeah. games. I mean, there's there's lots of drafts without any Spurs players because Son and Kane is so hard to get. There's some worries now about kind of Kulusevski. You know, Richarlison's come in as well. Perisic, seeing him in quite a few, but again, there's worries about the wing backs. Jed Spence has yet to be priced. But I mean, yeah. whenever I sit, whenever I post a draft which hasn't got any Spurs players in, the first thing anyone always says to me is, Where's your Spurs players? And it's because of those those first three games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you really think about the underlying stats, they pushed City and Liverpool really, really close since the time Conte is there at the club. Now, and I think they've had the best window uh, out of anybody this summer in terms of some real upgrades, you know. So you always had these two world-class players who were always good FPL picks. Now they have a world-class manager and they have a serious machinery behind them. You know, you have creative players, you have a Basuma, you have Perusic who's creative on the other side, they have Spence on the other side as well. So I feel like people are underestimating and Spurs don't have the problem, let's say Manchester City do in terms of predictability. So even if City you know, are a way better team than Spurs, but Spurs are getting close to them. The thing with Spurs is they're really predictable in terms of FPL points. Mm. I think they have the best FPL picks in the game. You know that, you know, uh, Son and Kane are going to be involved in the goals. Very set patterns of play. Conte doesn't change much when it comes to that. So that's what I like about them from an FPL point of view. I reckon uh, if people weren't paying attention to EO, uh, a lot more people would have a Son or a Kane in their draft instead of maybe a Haaland. Yeah, I mean, the, the big player, we're talking about EO, the big player that you haven't got here is Gabriel Jesus. I mean, he's featuring in, what, 65% of teams um, at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, we, we talk, there's some other players, you know, we haven't got any Arsenal players, for example, with Tommy Asu, you've gone for Justin. Um, it's kind of Arsenal that you're kind of missing. They're, they're the team that, that's, that's, that's kind of, you know, the, the kind of worry. I mean, Jesus has got two fairly tricky games, I'd say, Palace and Leicester in the first two, but then a really nice see fixtures yeah. but again if you're focusing on the first five you're just not worrying so much about those first two games yep i'm not and i'm uh pretty sure if i decided to you know bin son off and not go with the three man draft i'd probably have jesus in my team because i do think he's a good pick uh you know uh when arsenal did buy jesus i was like you know it doesn't really worry me as a united united fan to have arsenal buy somebody like a jesus but i've seen the excellent highlights for the first two games and he looks really really sharp he, he looks has, really yeah. on it and then then you forget where you know a player who is in a structured guardiola formation uh tends to get a little bit of freedom and he can thrive so different people do different things under different managers and 
I am worried about Jesus. I won't be lying there, but uh, I'm taking respite in the fact that the first two games are tricky against Palace and Leicester. And if he looks like he is just going to be a really, really good pick, I'll just get him. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion he's, he's, he's a good pick as well, no, no doubt. But I'm happy to give him those first two games and kind of see what happens. So it's reassuring to know that you're kind of in the same boat. I think a lot of people are going to pick him um, because of the ownership being, being so high. I mean, I'm surprised that it's that. I mean, that is a really, really, you know, is that just because he's a kind of like a marquee signing for them? Do you think he's one of the bigger kind of Premier League moves, movers of the season? Um, I wasn't expecting him to be 60% owned. It's just that also there are not many forwards that stand out. That's very uh, true. You know, so Jesus at 8 million just seems like too good to be true when he's the main, he's going to be the main man in that Arsenal team. And he's sort of like a, Hybrid of Lacazette and Eddie Nakita, if you think about it, I mean, he can, if if uh, Arsenal are playing a low block, low block team, he's going to be in and around the box, and he's a lot, he's capable of playing those passes with Saka and Martinelli on either side. And if they're playing against a team that's playing the high line, he's very much capable of being their outlet on the counter as well. So he has both outlets in terms of how he's going to be getting those points. And I uh, don't see any reason. I'm not surprised that he's highly owned. I'm just surprised that he's. This Haaland, yeah, but yeah. everybody likes a new shiny toy. That's why Jesus and Haaland, Haaland, you know, that have the ownership that they do. Yep. I mean, you haven't got too many new shiny toys in in your team. What you've got is some kind of old boys who you're hoping can can kick on. I mean, Rashford, for example, perfect example. Obviously, had that incredible season just a few years ago, um, but has kind of dropped off quite. I mean, substantially in, in the last couple of years. Um, Bailey yeah. bought in for big money last season. We're hoping that he can come into the team, be a great five million option for us. And Mitrovic, of course, has done okay in the Premier League in the past, not in his last kind of visit though. So yeah, let, let's start with Rashford then. So you've been impressed so far with, with Ten Hag, I'm, I'm guessing, even though it's only pre-season. Yeah, very, very impressed. Uh, you know, Sam, so a United fan. So there's always uh, extra detail in terms of how much I'm reading about our club, how much I'm watching, etc. as well. And because of the banter club perception that we've had since the past uh, two or three years, people are probably going to be slow on United, I reckon. And I, I think that's going to be an opportunity. I don't think many people have realized that we have an elite, highly rated manager at the helm and everything that he's doing in terms of training, the amount of hours he's putting in, the amount of detail uh, that is required to be a player under Ten Hag is just uh, impressing me. I mean, the first game that I saw, a lot of our players were making off the ball runs and that hasn't happened in two years. A lot of these players, you know, when uh, they came to play under Solskjaer, the thing that Solskjaer told them was express yourself. There wasn't set patterns of play under United. And that's primarily been what he's been talking about. That's primarily been what the manager, the players who are training under him are talking about. And what I've seen so far in terms of set patterns of play, etc. as well, it's quite encouraging. What 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 was noteworthy was that in the second game, in the preseason game, so Tenags had a first team sort of team that's playing the first 45 minutes and the sort of B team that's playing the second 45 minutes. In the second game, Elanga started with the first team and Rashford with the second and Elanga didn't really do too well, which I think bodes well for Rashford. So I think uh, he's going to have a good season ahead of him. I was his biggest critic last year because his decision-making was really, really poor, but he's got... In terms of pace, power, experience in the league, he's 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 got all those things under his armory. It's just about whether a manager is able to get the right beat out of him, and I'm optimistic. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the challenge with, with Tenag and a lot of. I mean, look at Martial 
um, as well. He's yeah. been playing a lot in, in pre-season, scoring, looking yeah. good again. I mean, what would you make of this Ronaldo sort of situation? Can you see Ronaldo starting the season for you or do you think he's going to be off somewhere else? If Ronaldo is still at United game week one, I'd be worried about having Rashford in yes, the team. that's how I feel about Sancho as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of people are telling me, you know what, we don't have backup players playing uh, for the club, etc. Well, I, I feel like that will sort itself out. I feel like if we keep Ronaldo at the club this season, that's sort of delaying moving forward to next year. I feel like the moving forward process will start. It might hamper us a little in the short term, but there's no doubt in my head that we'll be a better team going forward if Ronaldo is not in the club this season. Because then it becomes about this young team growing together and finding an identity under Ten Hag, which might not be the case with Ronaldo, who tends to hog the uh, headlines. He's not really a Ten Hag player as well in terms of what's required in terms of pressing up front as well. So I'm just... I think it's uh, good for both parties uh, if Ronaldo leaves the club, and I'm hoping that happens as a United fan. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. To, to me, I mean, Ronaldo is, if Ronaldo's playing, he's the only option at United that I'd, I'd consider, and that yeah. would even be reluctant because I think the team is is worse with, with him in the side, yeah. um, which seems a crazy thing to say, doesn't it, when you think about who he is and the amount of goals he scored last year and, and things. But mm. no, I, I do agree. It's going to be really interesting to know what, what Ten Hag does do with that because... You know, he's, I mean, you know, Ajax, obviously big, big club, but it's a different league when you're managing United and the pressure that comes with that. And you've got someone like Ronaldo in the dressing room who you either need to kind of get on side and win round or just basically say, look, you know, you don't fit into my into my plan. So it's, it's a big task for him to work out what to do with that. It'd be really interesting to see what, what kind of happens. Um, we won't go too much into detail, but, but sorry. What's happened, though, is, uh, you know, Ronaldo doing what he's doing in terms of, uh, you know, there was a family problem at first, but then he's not sure of training yet. I think it's put the ball in Tenak's court a little in terms of he's capable of at least taking that decision early on because he's yeah. not had a proper preseason compared to the other players. And if you really think about it, since the time Bruno Fernandes joined Manchester United, until the time uh, Ronaldo joined us, that's a year and a half, we were good for goals. I don't think we were good defensively or United presented options from an FPL point of view in defence. But if you think about our first COVID season, those last eight game weeks after the first lockdown, everybody was on two or three United trackers. And this was a similar situation where all of them were underpriced. And I see something like that happening again, provided Ronaldo's not the club. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, we, we yeah. want to see United players, you know, we want to see United back to you know, how they were even a few seasons ago. I mean, under Solskjaer, you know, but then Martial, Rashford, so much pace in the side. Um, yeah. you know, when Sancho came in as well, I think a lot of us thought that was going to you know, really improve that kind of attack and we, we just didn't really see it. So, yeah, it's, mm. it's going to be really interesting with United. Again, there's a, a lot of pressure um, on Ted Hag, but yeah, I mean, given how, how poorly Ranić did and you know, the, the fans were kind of supportive over that, I imagine they'll be supportive over what he's going to try and build um, as well. Um, we won't talk about Bailey too much because I talked about him quite a lot with Tom um, last week, uh, but you've gone for Mitrovic, which is an interesting one because you've talked about these kind of fixture blocks and Fulham don't have the best kind of opening five fixtures, which is putting a lot of people off Mitrovic. Do you just see him as that kind of best option in the kind of 6.5 bracket and you're not too worried about the fixtures? Yeah, and it's also a little bit of a... So there are two reasons why I have Mitrovic in my team because I feel like Mitro, uh, Fulham in general are comparable, a slightly less rock and roll version of uh, Leeds when they came first to the league in terms of I expect them to concede a lot and score a lot. And that's sort of uh, 
I read Marco Silva as a manager as well. I know he likes to play front foot football. He likes to uh, play direct football. His teams always are good for goals. And uh, that's something that uh, Luke, FP Alliance, uh, told me as well. He came on our uh, podcast where we were doing a podcast focusing on the promoted teams. And he, he always thinks that Fulham are capable of maybe finishing in that ninth to 13th uh, region when it comes to teams, so they might be punching above their weight. And when you have somebody who is a talisman, uh, you know, playing for a club like that, that's going to be be playing front foot football. I just feel like it's a very very safe bet to make. So that's one of the reasons because I expect Fulham to be good. I expect them to score goals. And uh, if they are scoring, we've seen last year as well. He's he's a talisman. And uh, a close friend of mine actually uh, supports Serbia. And he's seen Mitrovic's growth in the last three or four years as well. And he's like the player that he was three or four years ago and the player he is now, it's miles apart. He's a Chelsea fan and he's like, I wouldn't mind if Chelsea go for a player like Mitrovic because he's wow. grown that much mm. as a player. So he really, really rates him that highly. So I think it's a fairly safe bet. I like him more than Solanke in that price bracket. If I could, I would go to Callum Wilson, but I just don't have the money for that. And it's a structural issue because if I'm going down on Mitrovic, I absolutely don't mind upgrading like a James Dustin to a Chelsea defender, get in a Reese James in place. But then it's about combinations, right? So Mitrovic plus a Justin versus, uh, you know, Reese James and that 4.55 million price bracket up front, you don't really have anybody. So that's the sort of decision I'm making there. That's yeah. all. I mean, he's, I mean, he's 27, Mitrovic. So, you know, you think when he was in the Premier League, you know, last he was, you know, what, 25. And then, you know, you're judging him on the kind of seasons before that. I mean, when he was like 23, or he, he was somewhere to get 11 goals and, and four assists. Just broken yeah. the record in, in the championship. There's, I mean, there's a hell of a player there if they can get it get it right. I mean, a lot's made of his kind of disciplinary record. But, you know, I think as, he grow, as he's grown up, that kind of element of his game has gone a bit. There's less worry about that kind of side to him. It's just like you say, it's just whether Fulham can kind of... I have my doubts over them. Um if they carry on adopting this kind of swashbuckling attacking style, we, you know, we, we've seen teams come up and they're exciting to watch. You know, I remember Blackpool years ago; they they just they had no defenders basically, so they just went all out attack. You know, it was Charlie Adam and uh, DJ Campbell. Remember him um, back in the days, and and you know Leeds as well last season. Uh, not, sorry, a couple of seasons ago, sort of tried tried the kind of same thing, yeah. and, and you know they took a lot of teams by surprise. So, do we think Silver's going to kind of? try and you know, rein it all back a bit and, and try and be a bit more sort of uh, but you think he's going to carry on with this kind of more yeah because we've seen him, him with Everton mm. uh, previously in the league and it's always front foot football so he might not be as extreme as Bielsa I feel like he's all managers grow I mean everybody was expecting Eddie Howe last season to be this squash buckling front foot football manager and then he showed a lot of pragmatism in the yeah. way he set up mm. Newcastle Newcastle he showed a lot of pragmatism in the uh, signings that he made for the club you know experienced Premier League players that helped them stay up as well so I'm expecting something similar from Marco Silva as well I'm quite optimistic yep. about Fulham generally and their prospects this season that's good yeah I mean I've, I've yeah. been I've been quite down on them so it's nice to hear someone talking uh, talking positive about yeah. them um, let's take a look at some of your defenders then I mean you've gone for Melier in goal uh, for example he's your kind of choice of the the 4.5s we're seeing a bit of a split in that decision I mean Raya's popular obviously um, Melier not seeing too many Sanchez's but he's kind of obviously there as well Brighton a good team defensively um, people paying a little bit more Look, people looking at Mendy for example in five um, but you're sticking with the 4.5 goalkeeper. What's kind of drawing you towards Melier? I'm guessing you're going to say fixtures. 
Yeah, fixtures. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're playing Wolves, Southampton, Chelsea, Brighton, and Everton in their first five. And, you know, a couple of these teams are sort of goal shy. And even if they aren't, you know, the thing about Maldir that's a little confusing is that uh, when it came to underlying data, he was one of the worst keepers in the league last season. And the year before that, he was one of the best keepers yeah. in the league. Uh, and, and, and so the judgment that you're making based on what you've seen out of Melia, he's still really young. You know, you should remember that is what do you think Melia is? And I, I think he's a good keeper. I think, uh, I also think there'll be a little bit of a shift under Marsh in terms of Leeds being slightly more practical and pragmatic as well. And uh, it's just a shot based on fixtures. And even if they concede goals, he does tend to make saves and he does tend to get a lot of bonus points as well. So that's the bet I've made when it, came, when it comes to the goalkeepers. Yep. Uh, and then you've gone yeah. for Justin and Dean. I mean, Justin's an interesting one because again, fixtures for Leicester, not so great in the kind of first five. I think he's fantastic, James Justin. I, I, I really, really rate him highly. I think he's he's going to be pushing for that England inclusion in our World Cup squads. It, it, obviously, he's got but it, the fact he can play in so many different positions. He can play right back, left back, centre back, kind of wherever you wanted him to. I think he's he'll, he'll probably make the cut. Um, I imagine. But you've gone for him over Tomiyasu, for example, in that four point five bracket. I mean, there's no doubt these lesser defenders is going to be value there. But how come you've gone for him so so early? Because in the first three weeks. They have Brentford at home and Southampton at home. Now I see these as really, really strong fixtures. Like I'm saying, like I said, I'm looking very, very short term with my team at the moment. And uh, whoever's the most attacking Leicester fullback, I think we will get that information by the time Game Week One arrives. He's the one I'm going to go in. The, the problem with Justin is he could easily, if Leicester decide to play three at the back, he could easily be one of the center backs in that team mm. and Castagna and Ricardo Pereira could be moving up from but all three of them are priced at 4.5 so I'm going to wait and see who looks the most attacking out of them and go for that player that's the thinking and also I feel like when Brendan Rogers gets a chance to manage in the league without any European distractions he'll do well he's historically done well Leicester generally do well if you think about again that's a team I think people are going to be late to jump on because if you think about it, for most part of last season, they didn't have Fofana or Evans fit and they had maybe one fullback out of all these three fit at the same time. Now they have everybody fit and he has a week of training before the games every week and I think that's a significant advantage. I think what Arsenal were last season and how they benefited because the lack because of the lack of European football, Leicester might be this season. I mean, before last season, they were pushing for fourth or fifth every season. You know, so they are a good team. And uh, that's where I'm with them. I think they're the, the only side in, in Europe that hasn't made a signing in the in the transfer window. I was reading somewhere, which, um, you know, considering they struggled so much last season is is surprising. I mean, they've got a big squad. They had to make sort of emergency cover signings because they were they were struggling so much. I mean, Madison's probably the only one who really came out of last season with with, you know, can kind of hold his head up high. Um, Barnes was was good in spells. I mean, Vardy was was fine, but got injured for quite a bit. N- neither Dak or Iheanacho really kind of came into the into the picture. But yeah, I completely agree. I think you know if you're, it's, I liked what you said about Melier. Like you're making that decision: is he a good goalkeeper or or a bad one after one bad season? Yeah. Well, that's the same with Leicester. Yeah. They're a good team. Yeah. They're a good side. We saw at the end of last season. You know, they were they were beating, scoring goals for fun. They had their full strength team back. Didn't have that Europe to worry about, and they were kind of playing with a lot more freedom. So I completely agree. I think they're going to be a team that people overlook and, and Madison at eight I think James Justin Pereira um, you know all these guys they could be real real options I mean Vardy for example I mean that's not I don't think we can discount Vardy right 9.5 this year if I was getting rid of Son I'd go down to Vardy yeah 
that's what my thinking is i think he is that good a pick and you can go hall chasing if you're having a short term outlook towards a draft because you're getting home games against brentford and southampton in the first three weeks i feel like those, those are good fixtures and you like that 9.5 price point because if you want to go up to a kane or if you go down to the 6.57 million striker that emerges it's just giving you money and flexibility so i i don't mind vardy at all the only so what i'm thinking about in terms of team structure is i think you know just four or five days before game week one i'll have to make a decision between a son draft and a non son draft but uh, i don't see myself going extremely big at the back even if i don't go non son and i feel like i want to have one player in that nine and a half ten million bracket whether it's sterling bruno or wadi because i feel like is still good enough to i mean i'm comfortable with the team i have with son here on a premium and i feel like if i have just two more million to invest elsewhere in the squad it'll be a perfectly fine draft so i don't want to go fully down on that price point i think it's good to have an and a half 10 million asset who's capable of that upside earlier yeah. i mean the only you talk about flexibility i mean the only kind of real lack of flexibility going team is is really with that kind of fourth midfielder with with bailey coming in your side i mean we've got neko williams and prayer now who we didn't have anyone when when uh, FPL first launched we were kind of looking at well there was no real four million defenders we thought we were going to play the 4.5 options were kind of all defensive mids we've seen now Pereira playing at kind of a number 10 in Fulham's sort of pre-season games they're a bit of a gift those two but are you a bit worried about Bailey's price point at 5 it doesn't really give you much room to maneuver yeah for, i mean for me to go this way with a premium draft i need to be sure come game week one that Bailey uh, the likes of Rashford are looking like first team choices at the moment and from the noises we've seen in early preseason they look like options i i also feel like i'll just probably need one more strong enabler mm. to emerge before gimmick one for me to go with this draft where i have these two or three enabling picks with strong fixtures early season for me to get son into my team so that's where i am i think it's a wait and watch but the early signs are good Yep, nice. And the final player just to mention is is Dean. Uh I mean again haven't seen him in t- in too many drafts. He's someone that I I really like the look of. You've gone for him over Cash, which I thought was interesting. Is that just because of like history in the kind of the Premier League or have you seen something because they're both the same price. I think that's quite a, that's quite a 50-50 decision for a lot of people who consider them. How come you've ended up with Dean? So I mean we've been playing FPL for a while and every time I've seen Dean I feel like he's a top 4 top 5 player. The quality that he has on his delivery is absolutely amazing and he ended the season really really strongly. There's a statistic that I read which was on the scout is uh, since he was back in the team which was around game week 22 onwards only Trent created more chances. So he's really really good when it comes to the chance creation etc as well and I feel like the quality of his delivery is also really good. And uh, Bailey's been playing on the side where Dean plays so I think that might open up some space for Dean as well. And from what I've read there are a couple of articles in the Athletic as well where uh, they've invested well in the defensive midfield area and they've got a new center back. Both of them are really really high rated. Uh and the team's functioning a lot better because I think what they lacked last season was a little balance in midfield. They didn't have a proper six which I think they've addressed now and I feel like again the fixtures are there. You have Bournemouth, Everton, Palace and West Ham. I like those fixtures from a defensive point of view. I feel like uh, you know if Dean spikes maybe a couple of clean sheets I wouldn't be surprised to see a return or two as well because we've seen with Gerard he likes those wing backs to push and I just feel like in terms of quality I just rate Dean as a player more than I rate Cash and that's why I've gone for him. So Cash 20.9% ownership Dean 3%. Yeah. Huge. Not huge even difference. looked at the ownership then. <laughs> I should be telling you these things might be influencing yeah. your decision but it's a huge difference again and I I mentioned it as being a 50-50 decision but it's not because mm. people really do seem to be to be moving towards cash 
Um, I think yeah. Villa are an interesting team because again, they they when Gerard first came in, they were really really strong. They signed Coutinho. There's a lot of buzz around them, and then they just really kind of dipped off towards the end of the season. I think you know it's a long season. Yeah. They were saved from relegation. I think things just kind of caught up with them. But Gerard's been quick to act, and they've made some big signings in the transfer window. Address the problems that you kind of mentioned, and they played Bournemouth, yeah. Yeah. newly promoted team in game yeah. week one. So yeah, I can yeah. I can definitely see the appeal of, of getting on some of the early. Yeah, I think so. I think Villa are probably on the same level, I'd say, in terms of potential compared to, let's say, a Palace or a Newcastle, uh, or even uh, who did we talk about just recently? Leicester. Just these teams that Leicester. Just these teams that have no Europe. Mm. Leicester, right? Yeah. Just these teams that have no Europe. I think that might be a big factor come game week five because uh, I was looking at this chart from Holly where all the teams that are in Europe are playing midweek football every week gimmick five onwards and i feel like, feel like these teams that are getting a full week uh, before playing their next game they might uh, do well and i think a few assets might emerge from these three or four teams which have a high upside or high potential so i'm looking at them quite closely yep love it well i think it's a it's, it's a great job it, i like you know this channel would be very boring if everyone was presenting the same the same teams it's great to see a like a premium draft with with players that uh, you know, kind of all makes sense. Like I said, I think Nico Williams, Pereira kind of enable us to even think about this as a kind of option. We just need someone. I mean, we've got Neto at 5-5, five five, who is also a bit of a gift. But if we can get a, a Bailey, you know, showing the promise that, that we kind of hoped we'd get from him last season, um, I think it'd be a really interesting one. So yeah, I like it. Be interesting to see um, whether, you, whether you stick with it or whether you uh, do end up going for something a bit more, a bit more template. But I, I sense... I, I sense you'll you'll keep some of these uh, bit more flary picks um, in. Uh, Leigh Rose, thank you so much for joining us on the channel. It's been great. As mentioned, if anyone wants to hear more um, from you and the other FPL Wire boys, you type in FPL Wire into YouTube. You can check out the podcast version as well. Some amazing stats um, on there and, and great content. Um, and you've already started pre-season, haven't you? You're ahead of yes. you're ahead of me and Mark. Yeah. We need to we need to get our we need to get our act together. Yes, yes, yes. I, I still feel like. A lot of the content out there actually is just a shot in the dark that we were talking before the stream started as well in terms of we just don't have enough information as yet and, and a lot of the big teams are changing the way they play etc as well so i don't see it as a big problem i think the next two or three weeks are going to be quite crucial in terms of the picks that emerge and the information we get so we'll take it from there yeah amazing cool well thank you so much and i will speak to you very soon yes take care thank you so much for having me over